Well, good morning. Welcome to the second week of a series we kicked off last week called The Teacher. Jesus was directly addressed in Scripture in the first four books of the New Testament 90 times. 60 of those, he was called The Teacher. And last week, we started talking about what that means. And if you missed last week, just checking out Church Today, go to our website, click on Resources, and download that podcast and listen to how we kick this series off in talking about how we can trust that the words we read are the words of Christ. There's some Bibles coming in the aisles right now. If you don't have one, please raise your hands. The ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep if you want a Bible. If you'd just like to borrow it uh, and read along today as I read from some scripture, you can do that as well and leave it in the back on the way out. Just indicate to them that you would like one. When I think back on my academic career, And I think about teachers who had a big impact and teachers that had almost no impact and teachers I just couldn't stand to be around. You can probably relate to that. But there's this one teacher that I can remember from high school and she was a little bit different. She saw something in me. She she pulled me aside and would would talk to me about whatever the assignment was. And she would say, hey, you can do better than this. You're really good at this and you need to focus on that. And I found myself... Instead of wanting to be the cut up who challenged her authority like I did for everybody else, I found myself wanting to please this teacher, wanting to perform better for this teacher. I found myself even thinking, wow, I could maybe I could teach people someday. Maybe that could be me. And I remember you probably have teachers like that, too, teachers that really invested in you in a certain way that motivated you to be a different kind of person. Well, that's the kind of teacher that Jesus seeks to be for us. And we can read about in the New Testament how Jesus first called people for, for him to be their teacher, for, him to come, for them to come and be a student of his. And so he could start to teach them. And you would think with all of the followers that Jesus got in the first century that, well, he must have just like thrown down a lightning bolt. I mean, if, if a guy throws down a lightning bolt and says, hey, come with me, you're like, all right, I'm in. It's all I need. Or if he performed some big miracle and asked you to come and follow him, you would do it. But that's not what happened at all. In fact, Jesus got people to allow them to teach, to allow him to teach them by saying two simple words. And they're recorded in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, if you just kind of browse through that, it's like, well, of course it was Jesus. Of course they followed him. But look at what they did. And then the the story goes on. He met another group of people and he said, follow me. And they left everything and followed him. It kind of sounds irresponsible. If you went home one day and said, honey, I quit my job. We're selling everything. We're going to follow this new teacher. You would say, what? Excuse me? I mean, that's what they did. You know, in the 1970s in our country, uh, there was a huge rise in cults. 
most all religious movements and many denominations had to deal with cults being born out of some charismatic person who rose somehow to the top of leadership and had some new ideas, a new way of expressing things, and, and he could kind of get people under his control. And if you just look at that history, there's a lot of cultic movements came out of that. And it would take months, if not years, of indoctrination and months and years of preaching guilt to motivate people to really be a part of whatever the cultic movement was. And leaders could get people to do crazy things. He could get that some of those leaders could get people to commit mass suicide. Some of those leaders could get people to commit crimes. Some of those leaders could convince people to leave their family and their friends through months and years of indoctrination. But Jesus in the first century comes along as a leader and he gets people to radically change everything about their life by two words, follow me. And when he said that, they followed. No time for indoctrination, no time for manipulation, no time to to use guilt, but just follow me. He didn't say, come be part of my church. He didn't say, come live a perfect life, come change your conduct. He just said, follow me. What in the world would motivate people? I mean, our church would be a lot bigger if all we had to say is, hey, follow Jesus. All right, I'm in. I mean, it's a little bit more involved than that. You really got to get into people's lives and hearts and help them see the meanings of things like, when Jesus says, follow me, what does that really mean? I'm going to share with you what Jesus, all that was behind those two words, follow me, That would have motivated these fishermen, these common people to just drop everything. Now, if you're a teenager, when you hear follow me, you think you're thinking Twitter, right? You're thinking, hey, go, hey, go follow me. All right. And you just got to click a button. This is a whole different kind of follow me. When these fishermen heard Jesus say that they dropped everything and they followed him. The fishermen, Peter and Andrew that we read about and, and others after them. They were Jewish men and the way people in the Jewish culture were educated because education was a top priority and starting at a very young age, they would start to teach them the Torah. Now the Torah is the first five books of the old Testament that you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the Torah. And they believed that the Torah was central to all of life. The more Torah that you knew and memorized, the better your life would go. If you want a better life, Simply read and memorize and internalize more of the Torah. And the way they learned it, they started pulling the little boys aside from age 6 to 10. And the rabbi would just read to them and lead them through exercises that helped them memorize the Torah. So by age 10, they would have memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I challenge you to just read it and try not to fall asleep. They memorized it by 10 years old. And then the ones that were really sharp, they would move on to another level of education up to age 14. And from age 10 to age 14, they would be memorizing even more scripture beyond the Torah, which included the 39 books that are in your Old Testament. And by age 14, they would have them memorized 39 books. That's most of the Bible that you hold in your hand and they would have them 
memorized from their oral tradition, from repeating, from going over and over it. And then the rabbi, he would notice that among that group that memorized the Old Testament, the book of law, they would, they would think, wow, th- this kid's really sharp. He's smart. I mean, he, he's kind of got it together. You know, the, the kind of kid in school, y'all can probably relate to this, especially if you're still in school, that there's some people that just kind of get it. You know, they, they make you sick a little bit. They don't really have to study, but they just get it. They just understand it, and they seem to always blow the curve for the class. And, and that, so when the rabbi would see those kinds of, of guys, he would say, you know what, I, I think this, this kid has what it takes. I mean, they're really good. They, they could do what I do. That's how rabbis continue to perpetuate themselves. They pick out people. They reproduce themselves in that person and that person follows them. And then when they're gone, they do the same thing and they do the same thing. And it all starts with the rabbi saying, hey, I really think you're, you really got this. I mean, you memorize scripture like nobody else and you say it with conviction and, and, and I want you to come and follow me. And so the rabbi would show up at the, the boy's house and he would say those two words, follow me. And the tradition was that immediately he packed up, he left everything, and he went to walk in the footsteps of his rabbi and follow him, which meant you can do what I do. It was a great honor in their culture to be chosen by your rabbi. It was more important than being the starting goalie. It was more important than getting, it was more important than getting the scholarship or graduating first in your class. It was a big deal. It was a huge honor to hear a rabbi say that, but only the best of the best got to hear that. Only the ones that were the academic elite and that were intellectually extremely sharp got to hear a rabbi who represented God to them. They got to hear a rabbi say, follow me. So what happened to the ones that didn't get to hear follow me? They became fishermen. They became manual laborers. They were probably told, hey, you need to go out and lift some rocks because you're going to be working by your muscles for the rest of your life because you didn't quite make the cut. And so if you were cleaning fish or throwing a net over or making a living fishing, that meant that at some point in your life you'd been told you're not quite good enough. You just need to learn a trade. I can remember when I was in high school, they, if you couldn't quite make the, the, the college prep classes and, and the ones that just couldn't do that, they were sent to uh, the trade school that was on the other side of the county. And I can remember those, those people being mostly guys being paraded uh, through the cafeteria to go out and get on their bus where everybody could see. And they were taken away for the, all day and they came back the last 15 minutes and they were off learning how to, to build stuff or to uh, repair appliances and stuff like that because someone had determined for them, hey, you, you're not really academically all you need to be to really move on. So we're just going to teach you a trade. I mean, that must have must have really hurt. That must have really made people feel excluded. That's what these fishermen must have been dealing with. They'd been told, you're just not quite good enough. And finally, when they hear a rabbi say those two words, follow me, 
No wonder they left. No wonder they dropped everything because to them, it wasn't just follow me. It was you're important. I believe you can do what I do. I believe you can make a difference. You're no longer a flunky. You're a significant. So they dropped everything and they followed him. And I always think it's so interesting when I study this passage that Jesus could have gone to the synagogues and got the sharpest minds in the world. But he went by the seaside and he picked up the guys that had flunked out of Jewish school. And he said, follow me. See, Jesus is not looking for knowledge. He's looking for heart. He's not looking for performance. He's looking for devotion. And what does it mean for us when we hear him say those two words? If you're taking notes, write this down. It means that Jesus, my teacher, meets me right where I am. You may be coming to, coming to church, coming back to church, or maybe just the very first time you're starting to check out church. I acknowledge that Christians have done a really poor job when it comes to letting people know what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because people who call themselves Christians have a way of making people who aren't think they got to get their act all cleaned up before they come to know Christ. And if you've ever been made to feel that way, you've been misled. I have a good friend that for over 20 years, I have talked to him, prayed for him, and really hoped that he would give his life to Christ. And we've had numerous conversations about it. Every time I'm back home, anytime we're texting, anytime we're on the phone, I kind of guide the conversation that way. And it always goes something like this. Hey, what's your hesitation? Man, I'm angry and I got to deal with my anger first. I'm feeling really depressed and down and I got to deal with that first. And I've started to say, come on, it's been 20 years. Don't you think you would have fixed that if you could have by now? You can't fix that stuff on your own. And so if you're, if you think you got to wait to get yourself cleaned up and get everything right to say, okay, now I'm ready to step into the family of God. You have totally missed it. Somebody's totally misled you because the way Jesus accepts us is right where we are in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our mistakes, in the middle of our deceit, in the middle of some of the most difficult times in life. Jesus says, come and follow me. There's another episode in scripture in the book of Luke chapter five, when he said those two words, beginning at verse 27, it says, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now this is a huge deal because, uh, um, A rabbi talking to a tax collector was was big because a tax collector in that culture was a Jewish person who, for whatever reason, decided to take a job with the Roman government collecting taxes from his own people. So this guy, Levi, who's also called Matthew, would have never heard the words follow me because if he's a if he's a tax collector, that means somebody somewhere said, you know, you really don't measure up. You need to find another way to make a living. Obviously, he was a pretty sharp guy because the Romans hired him as a tax collector and he's collecting taxes off of his own people. And Jesus says those two words. 
that resonate with him. Follow me. And he leaves his tax collecting booth, which means he leaves his very large income behind. And he's willing to follow Jesus because what he hears is, I'm finally accepted. A tax collector would have lived a very rejected life, not much different than today. But he would have been really rejected. And then he hears Jesus say, follow me. And what he hears is, I'm accepted. And he's so excited about it. He goes and tells all of his other tax collecting buddies, you're not going to believe this. This rabbi asked me to follow him. They're probably like, what? Get out of here. No way. A rabbi wouldn't ask you to follow him. Yes, come over to the house for dinner. I'll introduce you to him. You've got to meet him. Jesus didn't say, hey, Levi, I want you to follow me. But first, you need to go fix some things. You need to stop cheating people. You need to stop lying. You need to stop putting your own people in difficult circumstances. Go fix all of that and then follow me. Jesus was willing to stand right there in the middle of Levi's sin and say, follow me. Another thing that those two words mean to us is that Jesus, my teacher, believes in me. Just like those rabbis would believe in those teenage boys and say, I believe you can do what I do, so come and follow me. That's what Jesus believes about us. I believe you can have a huge impact on the world. I believe that you can have healthy relationships. I believe that you can influence your friends. I believe that you can experience true joy on earth. Come and follow me. That's what Jesus says to all of us. You will get further in life because somebody else believes in you. I had that teacher who believed in me and planted seeds that I could maybe teach people someday. And look, look what happened from those little seeds that were planted. Jesus believes in you and that you can become more. That's why it's so important. Those of us who are parents to look into the eyes of our kids and say, I believe in you, honey. I believe in you. They will go further if we do that. Then if we don't, and if you had to grow up without ever hearing the words, I really believe in your son. I really believe in your daughter. Then you know what it's like to not have anybody. And Jesus comes along and says, follow me. And packed behind those two words is the fact that he believes in you. So it wasn't just two words. It was everything that came behind it. And Jesus sees in me something I don't even see in myself. And those two words and all the meaning behind them are why a group of fishermen and a tax collector could just leave everything they were doing and follow this guy, Jesus, who longed to be their teacher. So whether you're just investigating church today or struggling whether or not you should step into the family of God, listen to the words and the meaning behind them. When the teacher says, follow me, it means he accepts me right where I am. And he believes in me. It's not just a casual request to be a better person. It's a call to live a radically different lifestyle. It's a call to live the way Jesus lived. So when he says, come follow me, he means that, you, you can follow closely to him and be like him in many ways. When those young boys would leave their home, there were two things said about them. One thing was they would say, 
he is taking on the yoke of his rabbi. And a rabbi's yoke was his method of interpreting the law, specifically the Torah. Some rabbis were, most rabbis actually, were very strict. Letter of the law. How many of you had parents that, you know, the letter of the law, boy, 11 o'clock is 11 o'clock. If you're not home, you're in trouble. So really, so a rabbi would have this heavy yoke if he was the letter of the law kind of rabbi. And some rabbis, fewer of them, had more the spirit of the law. Well, just around 11 is okay. Just respect what I say. That's the spirit of why I'm telling you 11, because I want you to be protected. If it's 11, 15, it's no big deal. Teenagers are like, how do you get those parents? (laughs) That's the ones I want. But when they would leave, they would say, he's taking on the yoke of his rabbi. And then they, they also had another saying. They would say, he's following in the dust of his rabbi, which meant he's walking so closely to this teacher who said, follow me, that he's picking up his dust. That he's, we would say, he's rubbing off on him. And so when Jesus comes along and says, follow me, all of those images are going through these fishermen in this tax collector's brain as they're thinking about what this rabbi Jesus just said to them. And then later on in in the book of Matthew, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. They would have been thinking like a rabbi whose yoke is easy to bear, a rabbi who wants to teach me, a rabbi who has says, take my interpretation of scripture, take the way I view the words of God, put them on you because it's an easy burden to bear because it's a light burden. And when you do that, you will find a rest for your souls. And I guarantee in a room of this size, there are some people who woke up today thinking, I just need some rest. I just need some rest from the tension in the relationship. I just need some rest from the constant financial struggle. I just need some rest for the schedule that we've put upon ourselves. I just need some rest. And our teacher, Jesus says, well, come and let me teach you. Because if you're not getting rest, you're not with me. So come follow me. Let me be your teacher. And you'll find that rest that you long for. If you, if you want to know how you can really get in on that and really become a follower of Christ, Joel and I are down here after every service. Come down front, talk to us, and we'll guide you through what that decision means. If you want to go out in the lobby, Rob Perry, our site pastor, is out there every week. He can talk to you about that decision. And you can begin, if you haven't yet, to follow Jesus as your teacher. And if you've been following him, leave today knowing that he accepts you right where you are And if nobody else in the world has ever said the words, I believe in you, he does. He believes we can be like him. That's what our teacher believes. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these powerful scriptures that have so much meaning behind just that two little words. And fathers, we read, follow me from the words of Christ. May we know that you accept us right where we are. You call us to change, to live a radical lifestyle, to live a different kind of life. And you believe that we can do that. God, thank you for just making it so clear in scripture how much you believe in us. And I pray for the person that's, that's here today that's tired, 
that's worn out and that needs a change. May they be able to take your view of scripture and your view of life upon them and learn from you and find rest. And I pray this in the name of the one who offers rest to all of us. Jesus name. Amen.